The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. You know, for me, I played in the team right this year in the OHL, and for me, my, you know, I really like Slavkov more because he's like strong, he's very, uh, I watched him on videos, like uh, games and TV, and he, he just looks really mature and big, and I kind of expected maybe they'll take Slavkovsky over, right, but they did it, like. And there you have it. You listen to Jan Mishak saying what he thought was going to happen at the draft, and it did happen. Uh, fantastic. It's me, Patrick Bexel, for Eyes on the Prize and Absent Minded Season 5. And I'm joined with one of my favorite guests, and I think one of your favorite guests here as well, because the questions keep hammering in on Twitter uh, to ask Hadi Kalakesh, uh, our super scout over at Eyes on the Prize. Hadi, how are you doing? <laughs> doing great, doing great. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And I'm, i got to say, you had two articles out, one was released about six hours ago on Ice on the Price and uh, mm-hmm. fantastic initiative and and super interesting to have these YouTube videos where you can uh, really listen to your discussion about project uh, prospects. It's really really super good. Thank you. Yeah, it means a lot. It's a lot of work, so I hope people like it. Yeah, and you find <laughs> those videos either on Ice on the Price in an article or you subscribe to Hadi's YouTube channel, which is Hadi Kalakesh dash NHL draft scouting, uh, mm-hmm. or you find it by going to eyes on the price, clicking at the YouTube link there and, you know, subscribe directly. It's really good. I think a lot of people will, will enjoy watching it and I find it really easy. I have some questions for you in regards to that, but I'm going to be tough on you from the start. You mm-hmm. said in Liga, the eye surface is really, really large. Uh, and, and I just had to look that up because obviously Liga is one of the premier uh, developers into or, or they're working on changing the ice surface. Mm-hmm. And in Liga, uh, nine of the rinks are hybridized with 92 feet um, across. Uh, four have the EU size, which is 98 feet across. And two are another hybrid ice, which is 95 feet across. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really interesting because... I think come the future and and Finland has been high on different prospects all through the years. And it's a little bit a shame with the development progress that Finland has had that the first prospect going first overall is a Slovakian guy playing in Finland. Mm -hmm. But what does, what do you really mean with the eye surface is really, really big? Well, it's not really, really big. Uh, It just, from at least from the angle that I'm watching, it did seem a bit larger than the regular surfaces we see um, on the ice. I'm rewatching it again. It still seems a tiny bit bigger than an NHL surface. Um, now it might just be the camera angle, but in general, it's just also the space that's allocated to Slavkovsky on the rush, on cycles. Um, 
that's really sort of the focus for me is just how much space they have rather than the the dimensions of the ice. Maybe it's just the way that opposing teams play. They play closer to the middle. Um, but I felt like Slavkovsky had a lot more space to work with um, at the um, at the legal level than at the international level. Um, but that's not actually a, a bad thing, honestly. Uh, Slavkovsky really works well with open space, but he's also, I think he's going to adjust his game to get better on smaller surfaces just to benefit his size and his strength a bit more. Um, he plays really well when he's um, when he's got pressure on him. He's really good at retrieving pucks, at, at doing those little poke checks that that you know extend offensive possession and all that. So, I don't think it's a main concern. Um, but maybe it's just a camera angle that I had here. It did seem like he had bigger uh, bigger ice to work with. Uh, it's a really interesting. I think. Uh, what do you think? Because there is always this discussion, and I'm on one end, and there's a lot on the other end that mm-hmm. a good player will adjust. And I, I understand that if you jump between two different ice surfaces or, or uh, on a like day-to-day basis, then it's going to be difficult to adjust. But if you go from one ice size and then come over to the NHL or, or vice versa, you go from NHL to Europe, uh, it's, you, you practice on that rink size all the time. Mm-hmm. And you play your games all the time. After two weeks, a really good player should not have any problems, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's all about adaptability. You can be a really, really good player, but not be very adaptable and, and really sort of get pegged in into one position or, or one, you know, playing situation in which you excel. I think Slavkovsky over the course of the season has adapted his game to his role. He started off as a bottom six sort of player um, and, you know, was mainly put in a checking role. But as he came back from the Olympics, his team decided, well, you know, he clearly has skill. Let's try him on the power play. And that's why he had six points in 11 games to end the year. So he was able to adapt his game uh, to get a bit better in that sense. Um, I don't, you know, there's a difference for me between adaptability and hockey sense. I think that Slavkovsky is a very adaptable player, but his hockey sense is lacking. So those two aren't necessarily mutually inclusive. You can, you can be a smart player and not be very adaptable, or you can be a very adaptable player and not be very smart on the ice. So for me, the main issue with Slavkovsky is not the fact that, you know, he's, he's playing on different ice surfaces or, or whatever is the case. For me, it's really the fact that, um, you know, there's small details in his game. The fact that he doesn't scan as much as he should, the fact that he doesn't really pick up on, on threats the way that he should. Those are small elements that really need work. And wherever he ends up playing, I think the main concern for him is to learn to be able to play away from the puck and play quickly. Um, and that, that's, you know, we'll get into it later on, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's one of the questions we're going to have. But I think the AHL would be a great place for him to develop his game in that sense, because the AHL basically forces you to make quick plays under pressure and to engage physically a bit more uh, and, and get involved in all surfaces of the ice by making quick little plays instead of carrying the puck across all three zones pretty much every chance you get. Slavkowski is a big guy. That's be honest and, mm-hmm. and not big like me but tall mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 uh, i'm really surprised in when we're going to talk about that later but with being big in juniors and a lot of players of, of big good players or, or good players in juniors are big um mm-hmm. is it Maybe that's the reason that you don't check your shoulders as coach Olson for Kolefti also says uh, mm-hmm. that that is one way of checking a hockey sense that he's awareness on the ice that he know he can read the game and still have control mm-hmm. of the puck um yeah. and and by by being big early you don't have to do that because you can 
still keep, you know, even if you get checked, you they bounce off you. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's things in development that tend to drag along based on the way that you've played as a junior. So let's say at 14, 15 years old, Sobkowski was already, let's say, 6'2", 6'3", and he was playing against 5'9", 5'10", players across the board. Um, that physical advantage slowly but surely is going to disappear as he reaches the NHL because, you know, size a, a size um, equals out and you end up playing against defensemen your own size. Um, but the habits that he picked up while he was 14, 15, playing as a bigger guy against smaller guys are going to carry with him unless they're worked out with video coaching, with adjustments. So for me, Hockey Sense has three main levels. There's scanning, there's reads, and there's decision making. So you need to, to make a good read, you need to scan to start with. So keeping your head on a swivel and being aware of your surroundings is step one. Then you can work on the reads, on what the player sees. Once they do look over their shoulder, that's the next level. And then how do they make decisions once they get the puck uh, or, or once they identify the, the right read to make, uh, how do they react to that read and how they adjust on the fly to be able to make those decisions. So those three levels, I think the AHL would be able to teach him well. It's just that there's a, there's a situation with Slavkovsky where he, he pretty much was always the biggest guy in his cohort. And that necessarily does affect the way that he plays. Indeed. Uh, I, I, I see it uh, when I watch junior games here in Sweden as well. Um, and, and I think a lot of these shorter guys are being forced out early, joining other sports in Sweden. It's mm -hmm. floorball or, or football or handball or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, one question that has been spoken about is, is Juraj Slavkovsky's there were no NHLers in the Olympics. How good was he really as he got the MVP award? Uh, mm -hmm. There's a bit of a counterpoint here that I'm going to argue and, and uh, where I'm going to put to you, I'm not going to argue it as much. Uh, mm -hmm. But there were a lot of players that I think could have been on an NHL team's roster. Absolutely. In the uh, just because they weren't, but they played in NLA, uh, SHL, mm -hmm. Liga, mm -hmm. uh, KHL, you know, Mm -hmm. just they, they have NHL experience or they're about to become NHLers or, or, or you, I mean, like NHL, let's face it. It's 32 teams. There are 25 on each team, more or less. Uh, that's what 750 players, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the best 750 players in the world are not playing in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Necessarily. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you know, there's obviously a certain impact that that has on his production. So, so I don't really think he would have played as well against the USA if the main defenseman he was facing up against every shift was Jakob Slavin. Um, you know, that would have been a different ball game for him. And I think it would have been a lot to handle. But I still think, I mentioned it in the video, but I still think that Slavkovsky would have been on Slovakia's roster, even mm -hmm. if NHLers were available. Just because there's a bit of a dreadth of, of, Slovakian, of Slovak players at uh, the NHL level. There aren't as many of them or, or enough of them to push him out of the roster entirely. He probably would have been in the bottom six, but he still would have figured on that roster. And when he played at the world championship with Thomas Tatar, it really showed how important it is for him to have a teammate with him who supports him well off the puck and makes really, really good reads. And that's why I think pairing him with Nick Suzuki later on in his career is going to help him so much because Suzuki has a knack of making everyone around him look smarter. And um, Sofkovsky's uh, 
tendency to sort of get tunnel vision sometimes would get offset by Suzuki's ability to make himself the best option off the puck. So Slavkovsky would just look smarter by playing with him. And the two would really um, hit it off, I think, based on their playing styles. But to come back to Slavkovsky and, and his international play at the Olympics, I'm not too concerned. I don't think he would have put up seven goals in seven games. That's really sort of world shattering, you know, production. Um, again, mentioned it in video, but he's on par with Paul Correa, um, with, uh, with, you know, with Austin Matthews at the world championship, but at the Olympics, literally no one has, no draft eligible player has ever scored more than three goals before. And, him, uh, and, and, and we know Paul Correa missed that penalty shot to Sweden won Olympic gold. I just have to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And of For course, sure. Forsberg, the, the funny thing is, and, and I think everyone thinks about this because... Mm -hmm. Uh, Forsberg scored a fantastic goal. I, we all know it. The Forsberg deke. It's actually a Kent Nilsson deke. Uh, so yeah, everyone knows that. Mr. Yeah, I knew Magic that, yeah. did it first. Uh, <laughs> but second is that Korea goes in to shoot the shot after, the penalty shot after. And uh, Tommy Salo of uh, New York Islander fame, I think, uh, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, um, he saves it. But no one talks about that. <laughs> it's, it's all about the Forsberg deke, right? Uh, yeah. Which isn't really a Forsberg deke either. <laughs> But anyway, no, sure. uh, me reminiscing about my youth and, and watching this tournament on uh, while I was in the army, actually. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, Sweden hasn't been in a war for 200 years. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we've spoken about it. We mentioned it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on to this just a quick bit. Um, defensively, I'm, your video points out that he's really stronger than especially what I expected. I, I haven't watched him that much. Mm -hmm. um uh, he, he's thoughtful i think his reach helps him a little bit with the breakup of, of passes that goes across the ice. yeah uh, but but you have to talk about his shot because that is you 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 showed it in the video so well it's mm -hmm. really really good yeah it's for me it's a variety uh, as well he can shoot from multiple different positions he uses leverage really well on a shot um the way he angles his feet inwards after receiving passes he gets into a shooting position extremely quickly as well uh there's a lot of facets of his shooting and it's very you know it's a very wide arsenal of shots that he has he can shoot from in tight he can shoot from out wide um and the best thing for me is also that he tends to get to the slot as much as possible for his shots he gets between the dots he drives the paint um, these small habits are really going to compound and make him a good scorer. But I really think that Slavkovsky is a better playmaker than he is a goal scorer. Um, there is a lack of accuracy sometimes with a shot, but he does tend to take shots from dangerous areas. So it's not as concerning. Um, he gets to the right places and has multiple different ways to put the puck in the net. Um, but yeah, his playmaking is really, for me, his best attribute offensively. I, I, the only shot I miss, and I, I don't know if it's good because I haven't really seen him use it, is a slap shot, right? Yeah, um, he used a lot of one-timers at the Helenka Gretzky Cup. Um, and there is, you know, he puts his weight transfer on the one-timers is really good. And he's a very strong guy naturally. So his shots are pretty heavy. Um, but it, it's just the accuracy issue for me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he, he's still able to put pucks on net. You know, he scored seven goals in seven games, but it was really a shooting percentage bender at the Olympics, I feel. Um, everything was going well for him. Shots were going in. But I think just working on um, picking corners, using, you know, shooting under the blocker as well, because he loves to go top corner. But I, th I think that, you know, not just varying the way that he shoots, but varying the placement of his shots is going to help him a lot. Trying to shoot under the blocker, under the glove, um, between the wickets. Um, there's a lot of different things that he can try out to make himself a better scorer. Oh, well, he, he can just watch Cole Caulfield for 
you know, an hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that was actually one of my concerns with Caulfield is that he loved to pick corners so well and, and he could do it so well, but I was just concerned with, you know, whether he would be able to find the little areas that are even better scoring opportunities, like under the arms of the goaltender. And under Marty St. Louis, you saw that adjustment. Yeah. He wasn't just trying to shoot top corner every time. He was varying his shots and looked to more goals. Yeah, he, he, he still goes very close to the uh, posts, but uh, yep. it's, it's on different height levels. Exactly. Um, one thing, and I'm comparing this to KK because it's actually the one, uh, it's easy with Liga and, and, and all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I feel that Uri Slavkovsky has a lower center of gravity and a, mm-hmm. therefore a much better balance than KK when he yeah, watches and play. And also a much more projectable skating stride. So those two go together. Balance and skating really are, are two of the same thing for me. Uh, we saw it in Meshar's video. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you have good skating mechanics, usually you're able to get down low to use your edge work to bounce off players and, and uh, keep your balance regularly. And I think that's the case for Slavkovsky. Um, and that's the thing that really was needed, absolutely needed to get worked out in Kotkaniemi's game that never really worked out for him. Um, but it's also he, like Kotkaniemi built up a lot of muscle on the shoulders the first time. Exactly. And, and it sort of uh, gave him a higher center of gravity, which made it him even easier to, yeah. to be pushed over. Yeah, it worsened the issue for him. And yeah. I feel that that's also a development thing with the Habs and why I'm a bit more confident, especially having watched and and seeing the mic'd up moments for Adam Nicholas at the development camp, the specifics that he works on, um, you know, activating your shoulders through your hips, um, initiating contact, all this stuff. He really puts a very specific focus on the, on the, on the, on the drills that he does. And they're all things that, you know, are tailor made to the NHL. So that's one thing that we didn't see with KK. It was pretty much, you know, just go hit the gym and given you know, the way that Mark Bergevin's built, I don't blame him for having that mindset. It's just that, you know, there's, you know, putting more weight on your shoulders in some specific cases is good. I think in Meshar's case, getting more upper body strength is going to help him. But a player like KK, who already has the frame, the size, um, just work on his legs, make him use his knees a bit more, adjust his skating thread. Yeah, core strength as well. He was like Bambi out there his first three seasons. He would fall every single time he'd get into the puck battle. And having bigger, broader shoulders wasn't going to help him there. It was really, you know, he needed to build up from the ground up the way that he initiates puck uh, contacts, the way that he initiates puck battles. And it just it just went haywire with him. It's a development issue. And and also, um, I know it because I saw um, Arthur Lekkonen work on it for, for two years straight. I've listened to Jesse Ilonen, who's one of the better technical skaters because he was one yep. of the worst skaters uh, when, when he started um, skating. Um, and, and skating is actually fixable if you just mm-hmm. want to put in the effort. 100%. It's, it's yep. technique, it's, it's, it's motors, it's, it's, uh, it's just movement that you have to precise rather than mm-hmm. something that comes natural that is you know maybe a shot we, we've seen it with Lekermeki and uh, Kimmel mm-hmm. that is they have fantastic shots and they are natural shots most of it uh, yeah. whereas skating is, is something that you have to work on and there are so many good skills coaches or uh, figure skating coaches that you can ask for help to really make that leap 
into to mm-hmm. become a better hockey player as well. Yeah. Um, we're listening to Hadi Kalakesh, Hadi K underscore scouting on Twitter. Make sure mm-hmm. to follow him. He's a good friend of mine uh, <laughs> doing awesome work. Uh, some NHL team is going to pick him up, you know. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see about that. I mean, like, what? We there are a few working that has come through the eyes on the price ranks, and uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. You you're going to be added to that list down the line. Uh, Fingers crossed. Your your um, uh, your second video released six and a half hours ago on Ice on the Price, a bit earlier because I watched it this morning on YouTube, uh, which mm-hmm. is also a reason to to uh, follow uh, Hadi's YouTube channel, uh, Hadi Kalakesh dash. Uh, NHL draft scouting. Um, so find that because you get them earlier than they come out on ice on the price. Uh, mm-hmm. Philip Meshar, uh, yeah. he shoots a lot from the outside. And you mentioned his Corsi on Poprad, a really shitty mm-hmm. team this year, or not really a shitty team because it was still in the top half of the, of the rankings. Yeah. Uh, but you watch some <laughs> shitty games with him. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, Poprad is known for um, their spa facilities actually in, in <laughs> Slovakia just so you guys know pretty mm-hmm. good place to go and if you want me to do more commercial for you pop right guys you call me and uh, we'll set it up uh, <laughs> but but you mentioned Corsi and and some of the shots that you showed on the video is mm-hmm. almost as we would say here in Sweden alibi shots he takes yep. them because he doesn't have anything else to do or he wants to look good mm-hmm yeah, see, the thing with Mishar shooting is he spends a lot of time um, near the boards, around the boards, even with his passing. He, his, most of his passes are f- from um, non-dangerous ice to non-dangerous ice. So this is a player who has issues getting in between the dots for his scoring chances. He has, you know, it's pretty much, he's pretty much the opposite of Sofkovsky's playing style-wise. So his skating is very fluid and near-perfect. Um, He's a tremendous player, you know, at reading the game. His hockey sense is tremendous, but the weaknesses that he has are the strengths that Slavkovsky has. So they're really pretty much complementary players. Um, So the way that Slavkovsky gains the middle at all costs and gets shots in between the dots, is the opposite for Meshar, where he has trouble getting in those dangerous areas for his chances. So yeah, he ends up most of the time taking shots from the outside, but it's mostly because there's no other options available for him. So Paprad, the, the main thing with them is that first Meshar was put in a situation where he was mostly the guy that was switching with defensemen when they would pinch. So he would end up at the point either way. So that takes him out of the slot to start with. Mm-hmm. And second of all, they didn't really, you know, take advantage of the middle of the ice as much as they could. Um, they cycled through three different coaches this year and uh, all three of them were pretty much all over the place system wise. There were so many I- I- instances where a defenseman would, would pinch at a really inopportune moment and it would leave Meshar in a situation where he had to defend the rush. So how would he get to the slot? How would he get those chances if he's constantly in positions where he has to read the game and adjust for his teammates' mistakes and um, cover for them defensively? So that's the main thing with Meshar. And I mentioned it in the video, but I, you know, given the amount of defensive situations he was put in, I kind of expected his um, his poke check game, his defensive game to improve as the year went on, but I didn't see much progress. But either way, the main reason he doesn't take shots from the slot is first because he has trouble getting inside. And second, because, you know, 
that's not a that's not what the system favored in 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 all three coaches instances. You also mentioned skating, and and we have to to uh, take a little bit of a look at that, you know, and mm-hmm. and both um, Slavkovsky and Mesher, I think their strides are a bit short, especially on mm-hmm. the front. They mm-hmm. could really glide a little bit extra, or or they have the position sort of right with the knees over the toes, but. Mm-hmm. It, it looks very short in, in, in the stride in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the shortness of a stride with Meshar, the, the differences between him and Slavkovsky is that Meshar has shorter legs. So the, the strides necessarily when they're shorter, it's a bit more forgivable for me and a bit more fixable. But mm-hmm. with Slavkovsky, given the amount of leg that he has, it's sort of like, you know, use him, you know? <laughs> it's just, I, I feel that um, Meshar's issues are much more masked in his skating. He has, I love the way that he uses his crossovers mm-hmm. and there's no leg kick in his stride, uh, which is very different from, from Slavkovsky, who has a major leg kick. With Meshar, he, he pushes down and through the ice with the back of his legs when he's striding, especially on crossovers. And that really gives an extra dynamic to his game where he's a lot more fluid. He just looks a lot better out there and he uses crossovers really well. So there's a lot of different levels to his game that make his, his choppy stride a bit more masked and a bit more forgivable. He's also really, really, really good on pivots. Um, the way that he adjusts his, his edge work to face the play and read it uh, is tremendous. And obviously his awareness helps him a lot to, to rarely be in the wrong places. So, you know, the, the, the choppiness of the stride doesn't worry me as much. And it's, it's a very easily fixable thing with a player who's going mm-hmm. who's gonna to have stronger legs as he grows up. I just, I don't know how much Slavkovsky has room to grow in terms of leg strength. Whereas Meshar is 159 pounds. So there's probably a lot of weight he can put on. Yeah, and, and also, uh, I'm just checking here that the, 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 the ring size in, in uh... Uh, Pop Rod is a hybrid ice as well, so uh, should make yeah. the adjustment into uh, AHL or, or North American rinks a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. uh, pack protection, uh, you, that, that's one of the main weaknesses with Meshar, you pointed out, yep. very good in the video. Um, mm-hmm. To counter this, um, again, we're coming back to this with core strength, with size, with balance. Absolutely. So you know, I mentioned Xavier Simono in the video as a player yeah. who's 5'6 and 175 pounds, but is still probably one of the best um, puck protectors in the HAP system. So it's not about size. You can be a small player and leverage your body very well, use your edges, use your core strength in order to protect pucks, bounce off players, uh, throw reverse hits. There's many different layers to puck protection that can be adjusted and improved. So to me, you know, the main adjustment for Meshar is really just to adjust his posture and his skating uh, and the way that he uses his upper body on puck battle. So I don't, I rarely see him push out his leg or his arm to protect pucks. And I don't see him angle his, his edges outwards in order to push back into players as they, as they contact him. So it's really about initiating contact, being the first to hit the player before they hit you. And uh, using your edges in order to create leverage on puck battles, which puts you in a better position to win them. So those are the adjustments for Meshar. Um, obviously, he's going to get a bit stronger as he puts on weight, whether upper body or lower body, but it's really just about the technique itself and, this, and the mechanics of it that he needs to improve. Indeed. And uh, 
am obviously working because I think he will be in AHL, uh, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, working with coaches close to the Canadian system as well will, will you know, help him mature and help him realize how close he is to that tangible mm-hmm. NHL spot. I still I think so. it will take some time to get there. Uh, let's yeah. remember that uh, just because he's a first-round pick, he's a late first-round pick, for, for first and foremost. Uh, mm-hmm. Second, uh, it for a second-round pick, you have so much more... Mm-hmm. You, you're, you can wait you, you, so much longer mm-hmm. with with second-round picks than you do with the first round. I don't want them yep. to rush measure. That, that's my oh, concern. 100%. That's why I, I wouldn't be against Meshar playing junior. I really wouldn't. Um, there's specifics like, you know, about his about his game on the puck, which can improve. And in junior, you get a lot of time on the puck when you're really good, like he is. So I think that a year, let's say, in the OHL or the WHL would help him uh, learn to gain the middle. And then from there, you bring him to the AHL and let him marinate in order to develop his puck protection game. I think the priority for Meshar right now is to gain the middle. Because that's really a, a main concern of mine. Um, even though his puck protection is a more obvious issue, I think the the issue that is going to benefit his game the most if he fixes it is his ability to gain the middle with the puck. Indeed, and and we're touching on on the uh, you know questions that we're getting here from from readers on Twitter, and uh, uh, Eli Keats uh, points out that. Uh, uh, Probably it's been said and I just missed it, but is it a good or bad thing for them to not taking part in the World Juniors? And where is the best chance for them to play this year? Uh, would more time in another league really be a bad thing? And I'm not sure that he means a, another league uh, in, in as in Europe or, or another league as in North America. Yeah, so I think more hockey is always good hockey um, for prospects in that age. If it's not removing from their time in different leagues, if it's just adding more games to their to their experience, I think the World Juniors would benefit them. Obviously, there's always a concern of injuries. There's always that sort of issue with World Juniors and the intensity that comes with it. But I think watching them um, excel against their own age group, especially given this sort of generational group that Slovakia has going on, um, just having them play together, have some fun, and, and, and try to win championships for their country, it'll... It'll help them in their development. It'll help them in their confidence. And it's going to help them, you know, hit the ground running when their season starts. Um, now, regarding the leagues, again, Meshar, for me, probably a year in junior or two would, would help him a lot. Um, I'd like to see him follow a similar path as Jan Misak, but the the opposite, where instead of starting in the AHL and then going to junior, he starts in junior, then goes to the AHL. Well, it wasn't really Misha's fault, though, because it oh, was yeah. the only league open for him to play in in North America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and that's what makes it tough is that he couldn't even, you know, get traded to a different um, CHL team. He couldn't go to the dub or, or go to the uh, QMJHL. He was sort of stuck with the OHL, which didn't play at all. Uh, what I mean is that, you know, in an ideal world, you see Meshar go to junior a couple of years, go to the AHL a couple more years, and then work his way up the system uh, just so he can develop the right things at the right time. And in Slavkovsky's case, I would pin him in the AHL for a year, just one year, just to make sure that he um, works out his ability to play pucks quickly to his teammates and play give-and-go hockey um, instead of 
rushing up the ice with the puck and trying to, you know, carrying it, carry it into the offensive zone every chance he gets. So that's where I pin them both right now. Uh, now we're going to watch them at the, at the, at the training camp as it starts uh, in September. And that'll give us a better idea of where they're at, but that's what I do with them right now, given the information I have. Uh, Montreal Canadians just, I mean, not just tweeting it. They, they tweeted out last night in Sweden and, evening your um, eastern time uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Slavkovsky had managed to uh, uh, get Chris Widman's uh, number 20 yep so that's his so yeah that's his international we expect, number do we expect an NHL or, or an AHL in regards to that I think the Habs might be tempted to play him in the NHL this year and I understand why he does have a, an, an already sort of polished game with a lot of pro elements I just I, I always think, especially in a year like like 2022-23, where the Habs don't have many high-end pieces. Price might still be injured. Um, they just lost Jeff Petrie. They don't have Shea Weber. Their defense is pretty um, young and, and short on high-end guys. I just don't see the point in trying to go all in and getting Slavkovsky in the lineup to, to try to win games at the NHL level. I think that just letting him marinate in the AHL for a year while we tank and get Connor Bedard is the ideal scenario, but... Uh, you know, it is what it is. If they end up playing him in the NHL, I'm not necessarily against it. I just think he's going to have less opportunities to learn than he would in the AHL. And for me, it's all about what a prospect can learn. I think the AHL is going to teach him a lot more than the NHL would right now, given what he has to to learn yet. But um, I'm not necessarily entirely against it. I don't think it's going to be devastating for him. There's always just this fear about rushing players, but I remember Ant- Anton Rottegaard said once on, on a podcast we did together that if a player is ready, he's ready. And if he shows you that he's got NHL caliber talent, then that's where he belongs and that's where he should play. So we'll see in September. We, we saw that with Cole Caulfield as well, and he benefited even in NHL by Martin mm-hmm. Saint-Louis coaching. So, um, 100%. Oh. And uh, I have to credit uh, Tricolore as well because they said that uh, – they will try mm-hmm. to make the accent over the Y in Slavkovsky as well on the jerseys, uh, which awesome. I think is awesome if they manage to mm-hmm. do that. And and I hope they do because, and I hope Slavkovsky plays with it as well. Uh, uh, Meshar, right? Wing or center is the standing question more or less, right? <laughs> yeah, for me, he's a center. I, I like the way that he supports his defenders on breakouts. He has tremendous skating. He does a great job at reading the play. He's extremely, extremely aware of his surroundings. These are all the trademark facets of a transition center. And he does a great job with those. So for me, you know, the worst case for him is he plays at wing. But I think if he hits his full potential, he might be a second line center. Um, And the type of second line center is going to take the puck and bring it into the offensive zone every chance he gets. So that's my projection of him. And I just think he's just going to make a great center if he develops the puck protection game and the inside game that I, I think that he has hidden in his uh, profile. Interesting. Um, there are some of the questions that we've already discussed that we're mentioning uh, has uh, our contenders, which I for, for Bedard probably they mean, but uh, they're asking, uh, should Slav start the season? And uh, if, uh, if it's Montreal, in which line? Yeah, so if he starts in Montreal, I think he's going to be put on a third line with a player like Christian Dvorak, who's good off the puck and um, is good defensively. Um, Do I think that's the best area for him to play in the lineup? 
I don't know, but I think that's where they're going to try to put him either with Dvorak or Jake Evans. Um, for me, Jake Evans, um, Jake Evans is a lot like Philip Mishar, but I think that Mishar has a higher ceiling because of the puck skills, but playing style wise, I think Jake Evans is very similar. And I think that putting Evans with Sofkowski, it just, it, it's a great compliment um, to both players. So Sofkowski has what Evans doesn't and Evans has what Sofkowski doesn't. I think they would fit pretty well together, but if, if Slavkovsky does well, the best player in the Habs system for him is Nick Suzuki. Um, he needs a player with a lot of awareness, and I think that's Suzuki. If he ends up on a line with him in Caulfield, that would be extremely, extremely fun to watch. Um, but I wouldn't put him there just yet. He does have some learnings left to do before he gets to that level. Um, uh, would, you have, uh, would you only have Slavkovsky in the top six role in Montreal this year? And if he couldn't handle that, would you send him to Laval or play him in a bottom six role in Montreal? I think the worst I would do to him is play him on the third line in the NHL. That's the lowest I'll go for Slavkovsky if I'm in charge. Um, if he ends up, you know, as just a fourth line plug, as a as a checking forward, then it's like, you know, you might as well just send him in the AHL and let him learn to play in the top six on a top line and just be a play driver. Because that's what you want at the end of the day from a first overall pick. You want a game changer, a guy who's able to change the course of a game and influence it in, in a way that um, drives, you know, positive results on a regular result on a regular basis. So if he's not doing that with the Habs, he should be doing that with whichever team he's playing, so that that becomes a regular part of his game. Oliver Martin, um, um, I don't really get the whole question because I don't know the quote that he's referring to. Does, do you know uh, if Hughes was referring to him when he suggested that he had a preference between the three forwards at the press conference at the beginning of the draft week? One would assume so, right? Because they picked him and there was no one else to, like no one had picked before, so they couldn't have lost one, right? That's that's my course of reasoning. I mean, why else would they pick the guy if they weren't if he wasn't the guy that they were preferring under the three forwards? I also just think that the Habs saw a very good fit in Slavkovsky based on what they need. Um, we have a ton of right shot forwards. We have a ton of right wingers and centers. What we're missing is a left winger and one that's able to push the pace and um, play physically, which is pretty much the mold of Slavkovsky. No, I had him third overall, and I'm not backing away from that. I still think that Shane Wright would have been the right pick at first overall based on value. But am I against the pick? Not at all. Um, for me, Slavkovsky fits the Habs like a glove. And he could end up being the, the player with the higher upside between him and Wright. So I'm not against it at all. And, and me as a Euro, I always prefer the Euros, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm getting more and more Coley vibes, actually, uh, when, I, when I read up and see them. And obviously, Shane Wright falling is, is, is probably included in my thinking or reasoning right now. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm... I see Ryan as the the, the safe pick, yeah, uh, and and he will be an awesome NHLer. The question is that in on which line really, but he will have an awesome NHL career. I'm I'm not yeah. against that. At yeah, hundred percent. I just think that um, given what we've seen from Wright recently, there's this concern that he might not have as high of an upside, but. You need to remember this is a player who earned exceptional status at 15, who scored 39 goals at 15 years old against OHLers. And still this year, once he was put with decent point producers, with, you know, 
once he was taking off a line with two rookies, he did fantastic. Um, the issue with Wright, I think so far, the only thing that I'll, I'll be like, yeah, I, I admit that that's a main issue is his production under pressure. So in the playoffs, his production dipped, even though he was playing with those higher end guys, whereas Slavkovsky in pressure situations, he steps up. So that's the difference between those two guys. And that's what I think the Habs are really betting on is Slavkovsky's um, pressure management, his ability to, to stay calm under pressure and make and, and elevate his game. I think that's what they're betting on to translate at the NHL level and make him a better player than him. Is it going to happen necessarily? I'm not sure. But so far, given the samples we have, I think Slavkovsky is a better you know, player under pressure than Wright is. Um, I have not heard a Jager comparison with uh, Slavkovsky, so um, I'll leave it to Jack. Oh, I have. I leave it to Jax and and uh, glad you have heard it because you get the question. <laughs> Where in Slav's game do the Jagger comparisons align and what would Slav need to do to become Jagger like in his game other than still playing professional hockey until he's 50 and only yeah. a club when he's 45? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, man, to be honest, and by the way, the, the one of the people who um, compared Slavkovsky to Jagger is first Jagger himself. <laughs> and and second um one of the prominent scouts from uh Czechia who has a good relationship with Nick Bobrov who's the co-director of amateur scouting for the Habs mm-hmm. so that's been going around a bit and to be honest I do see it I just think that to to be able to align with Yager as a prospect Slavkovsky would need to magically turn his hockey sense from a weakness to one of the best uh perceptions of the game in the nhl do i think he gets there probably not but physically in terms of tools he's he's on par with yager in terms of puck protection um his skating's pretty similar to yager's and he's got that dual threat offense that yager had i just yager had all that and the one of the best brains in the game so that's what sets them apart and that's why it's so difficult for me to go for those comparisons because hockey sense is in my opinion if anything's unteachable in hockey, it's probably hockey sense. So he, there's a lot of tweaks that are needed. There's a lot of habits that he needs to develop. He needs to start by scanning more. Then he needs to start identifying. You know, he start once he scans, he needs to be able to see what he should be seeing. And then once he sees what he should be seeing, he should be able to make the right decision. So there's so many different things that need to be learned in Slavkovsky's case that I don't think he'll ever get to Yager's level. And I think that's a that's pretty obvious. Um, but he's still a tremendous player. There's a lot of layers to his game. And if his hockey sense yeah, is just Yager is average, one of the best players ever. You don't have to yeah. say he's still a tremendous player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I meant, I meant Slavkovsky. But yeah, I know I, you I, did. I, I just have to tease you a bit. <laughs> of course, of course. But yeah, I just, if, if Slavkovsky's hockey sense is average, we're in business. We've got a top-line player. If it becomes a strength, holy crap, watch out. Yeah, and and I mean, like, the thing that I've found when I speak with coaches, hockey sense is such a vast area and has such a mm-hmm. vast meaning uh, mm-hmm. that it's really difficult to really pinpoint what everyone sees in hockey sense. I think you gave a perfectly good example and, and easy, mm-hmm. understandable exa- answer uh, earlier mm-hmm. in the pod, uh, but I still think there is so much more because yep. every coach has a little bit extra into that hockey sense as well. Yeah. Some of it is instinct. Some of it is forethought. You can see, you know, 
there's players that don't, you, you never see the wheels turning in their head. They just know. Like Meshar, for example, it's just, it comes naturally for him. He understands spacing so well. And that's what I feel is missing from Toskovsky's game as well. On top of the lack of scanning, the, the, the trouble making the right reads, all that. It's just, it's not as instinctive with him. And I feel like no matter how much you try to teach him, it's still going to be something that's a bit forced in his case. Whereas Meshar is just completely natural to him. So that's the main difference between the two. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're in for a good ride this year. I mm-hmm. hope that uh, we get to see Slavkovsky maybe on opening night just to see. I, I, I think Montreal will have him there yeah. the opening night. The question is if for he sure. will wear a jersey or and, and a pair of skates or if he will wear a, a uh, suit and stand behind the bench uh, or mm-hmm. near the bench. But it's... it's uh, I hope to see Slavkovsky um, in the NHL this year. And who knows? Um, we've seen it with other players that might not need a full season in the A. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or that you take something like he's playing nine games or ten games and then gets sent to the AHL. It's mm-hmm. not a failure. These kids yeah. are 18. They are still kids. 100%. And I think that's the best plan for him. It's just to give him a taste of what he could um, be doing with his with his life, and then send him to where he's going to be able to develop the right tools. So you know, it's like any job. On first day, you you take a tour of the facilities, um, you hang out with the with the crew a bit, you watch them do the job a bit, and then you start your training. So that's what I think they're going to do with Slavkovsky. Um, is play him three four games, just give him a taste. Um, give him that hunger for for the NHL, and then send him to the AHL to, you know, with a spring and a step and a capacity to to grow the game. And I think the difference between what they would do in the past and right now is I think they should make it obvious from the start that that's their plan. So they sit down with Slavkovsky from day one and be like, okay, here's the plan: you're going to play three, four games in the NHL, then we're going to send you down, so that he doesn't feel like it's a defeat, so that he doesn't feel like it's a failure. Because, like you said, he's 18. And sometimes 18-year-olds don't take loss as well, especially when they've been succeeding for so long in their life. So it's important to have a frank and honest discussion with this pretty mature 18-year-old. You know, he was, he was living alone at 15, cooking his own meals. You know, he's, more, he's, he's got maturity. So I think sitting down with him, having a frank discussion about his future and what the plan is for him this year would be great. But we don't know what the plan is. I just hope that whatever the plan is, that can't use Jeff Gordon, Marie St. Louis, sit with him and are honest about it. It would also, I think, um, because it's Montreal after all, um, mm-hmm. be good to inform the media what the plan is at the end of it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, so, Everyone's going to go crazy. Like, yeah. that's, just, that's just Montreal's market. Indeed it is. So, so you, 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 you need to really have that kind of foresight in a way, like mm-hmm. how, make it, understandable for for the player make it understandable for the media make sure mm-hmm. that everything is on like understood because mm-hmm. communication in any relationship if it's work relationship or as a boss to to an employee or in, in your personal life communication is key absolutely and and i think that is the main thing that, that we have to hope for and i think this uh, front office is much better at it than already than what we learned from from the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been listening to Hadi Kalakesh. You find him on Twitter at Hadi K underscore Scouting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you find them on YouTube and be sure to follow that uh, YouTube stream because you have other plans for it as well, Hadi. Yeah, coming up next is Owen Beck. And basically, I'm just going to make my way down all 11 prospects I have picked this year. Uh, all so the way down for to... you because some of them you don't want to see. <laughs> no, <laughs> all no, joking I'm, aside. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I've, you know, I've scouted a lot this year. And there's a couple, you know, most of the guys, except Emmett Koto this year, I've watched all of them at least two or three times. It's just collecting the footage and breaking it down, collecting data, uh, pretty basically going frame by frame to identify what's going on the ice. It's it's a lot, but it, it's it's very rewarding because um, I'm just doing all the stuff that I, I hope I can do one day in the NHL, which is it's it's something that I like doing. It's something that's you know it comes easy to me, and every time I put out a video, it takes me less time and it goes a lot better. So you learn. these 11, yeah, <laughs> these 11 videos are just they're training for me. I'm going to go yeah. through them and uh, come out of it in an even better scout. You you find Hadi's videos at Hadi Kalakesh dash NHL draft scouting. Uh, it's going to be linked, obviously, in, in the article as well on Ice on the Price. I'll link it on the information for for uh, for the podcast as well. Hadi, it's always a pleasure having you on. I'm super stoked to have you as a colleague. Uh, and by the way. It's uh, it's an work anniversary for Andrew Sadarnowski and myself at Ice on the Prize today. Uh, oh, think, congrats, guys! Yeah, I don't know if it's six or seven years anymore or five. Wow, I I don't know. I'm just gonna leave it there. It's a work anniversary. I'm I have deserved uh, a nice meal now that I've spoken to to you about this. Oh, and <laughs> you know, uh, absolutely. Hopefully, uh, we'll have the chance to to plug more of Hadi's work, and he's always welcome and a guest. If you want other guests, be sure to to leave a comment in uh, in the uh, sec- comment section of the article, or contact me on Twitter, and uh, I'll see what I can do. Uh, I need to plug the top twenty five under twenty five that is about to get started. From what I understand, uh, I think right now um, it's fifty one names. <laughs> Wow, uh, that we have to rank this year. Uh, So please uh, make sure to be part of it. We're going to need your votes. Uh, We're going to need the discussion. And uh, seriously, I'm going to need some guests if we're going to talk about that many players. Thank you guys for listening. It's Patrick Bexel signing off from Sweden. Thanks, guys. See you next time.